You're listening to the really useful podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. How are you doing? My name is Christian Colin. With me is Gavin Phillips, and we are here to bring you the latest tech news that matters. Not boring stuff, but interesting, fun stuff that actually affects you. We've also got tech trips. We might even have some tech tips, and we've got some recommendations for you as well. I don't know what a tech trip is, but it sounds like something I'd like to go on. I, uh, I'd love to go on a tech trip. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Yeah, the nearest thing I can think of is a trip to the Science Museum or maybe the uh, National Video Games Museum. But uh, if anyone's got any ideas for a tech trip, I'd love to hear them. How are you doing, Gavin? Yes, very well, Christian. Looking forward to getting uh, stuck into this week's plethora of news and uh, and tricks and tips. How about yourself? I'm, uh, which, do you know what, actually? I, I love the word plethora. It's a great word. Um, but I stumbled across a... Um, a review of our show and i thought i might have to Whoa. share this because it's it was hilarious um basically it was on um apple podcasts and oh yeah you need to gird your loins for this okay so um we are a, <laughs> um this is a one star review and uh, you know we will always um read out five star reviews but i'm going to read this out because it's quite amusing <laughs> Um, employed by useful idiots is the name of the reviewer two dorks one mic five years 135 episodes and no viewers i can see why boring topics boring conversations and boring hosts doing literally anything else is a way better quote unquote use of your time you'd think these guys would figure out nobody wants to hear them after the first couple episodes let alone over 100 oh well not my problem that's nice isn't it that's kind, and they they took the time to listen <laughs> and respond, which is, yeah. is all we can ask for in this day and age. <laughs> and of course, gave their real name as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so anyway, so that's a little bit of amusement. Um, do please leave your own reviews for the show. Be honest and be be kind if you um, don't like it. That's fine. No one has to like everything. Which I kind of, in a way, brings us to CryptoCoin. Because it's um, it's a funny old thing, isn't it, CryptoCoin? Lots of people are uh, aware of it. Um, some people have a play with it. Others probably are more sensible and don't have a play with it. Now, over the past few weeks, um, few days or so, there's been a bit of a crash, hasn't there? Yes, the uh, market has definitely gone into... I wouldn't say free fall because that's definitely overstating what's happened. Um, but there's definitely been a lot going on. So uh, an exchange called uh, FTX has basically gone kaput uh, and it's wiped a significant amount of value off the entire cryptocurrency market. Um, and getting into the sort of the more minutiae the minutia of it they basically were overextended and another cryptocurrency exchange noticed that and then sold all of their tokens and basically it's basically the equivalent of a bank run and yeah. the exchange ftx has collapsed and taken a lot of people's money with it 
Now, I know that a lot of people at the kind of the peak of this a couple of years ago, the peak of the crypto thing, a lot of people got involved then and were buying typically um, bits of Bitcoin, bits of Ethereum and bits of Litecoin. And these events since then have um, left a lot of people kind of out of pocket, haven't they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I saw something the other day, um, I believe, on the cryptocurrency Reddit sub subreddit sorry and it said that even if you bought in uh, around 2017 or 18 uh with the way the market is now you would still be down money <laughs> uh, and that's not accounting for all of the people that tried to rush in during the uh the, the peak we saw sort of late 20 and then through 2021 which coincided heavily with uh the global pandemic so there are a lot of people at home that had more money than uh previously because they weren't having to you know commute and yeah. uh you couldn't go out and socialize all that sort of stuff you know um, yeah exactly you're absolutely right um so people have more money so they're like, oh we'll invest it in bitcoin or what have you so it's sort of sent the price soaring to 59 or 61 thousand dollars i can't remember the exact figure um, and people bought in at that that peak, um, and it's now trading at uh, sixteen or seventeen thousand dollars. So, yeah, people lost a lot of money, and that's yeah. without um, the recent issues with this cryptocurrency exchange um, going under. You know, yeah. it's a very risky place to try and get involved in. It really is. Yeah, my, I mean, my um, wife's uncle bought some Litecoin. Now he's about as techy as Gibbs in NCIS. So. <laughs> he's, um, the idea that he bought this cryptocurrency was like blowing my mind but uh, yeah he, he doesn't really talk about it he was, he was really pleased with it early on but uh, obviously nowadays he doesn't talk about it so yeah <laughs> uh, that's um, that is a big hit to uh, people uh, with cryptocurrency and uh, I suppose those of us I mean I mean, I've, I spent about a grand on cryptocurrency I don't imagine it's worth more than about 700 at the moment probably half a grand I'm guessing I haven't checked recently it is a uh, I mean, it's an early technology. It's a relatively young technology, isn't it? The whole um, uh, blockchain-backed currency. So it was never going to, apart from those few people who got involved very early and cashed out at exactly the right point, for the majority, it's never, it's not, it's not even comparable to s standard stocks and shares, is it? No, it's, it's way more, way more risky. Um, the whole thing with crypto is that people like it because it, is you know unregulated and that's what attracts people to it but that's also what leads it into these situations where these companies go down um there's no there's no requirement for them to have their books checked there's no accounting there's there's nothing that you would get with a regular set of investment firms or, or anything like that and then there's no backup if it does go under as well yeah. um and for all of the ills and issues that you know bailing out the banks and all that sort of stuff causes we won't go into that in depth because that's an enormous subject <laughs> mm. but at least people can put money in a bank account and you know in the uk your bank account is secured up to eighty thousand pounds i think so you've at least got that peace of mind but if a crypto exchange goes down and your crypto was stored on it it's gone it's gone. There's no way you can get it back. And I'll add, actually, that 
this exchange collapsed sort of during last week and over the weekend there were significant movements in wallets that people cryptocurrency wallets that people know are linked to this exchange transferring huge sums of cryptocurrency out into other wallets that are like oh that's somewhat mysterious considering they're meant to be a bankrupt and b have no access to these sorts of wallets so there's people apparently and allegedly we will stay on the inside that are funneling this money off you know the last existing parts of the currency are going into people's pockets and they will never be seen again that is a concern we'll move on to onedrive and various other elements of microsoft windows 11 which are uh, being pushed rather heavily you could describe it as Microsoft ads are creeping into the Windows 11 start menu, and that's certainly what appears to be happening. Uh, we were kind of warned this might happen a few months ago, and it is a little bit worrying to see that it is actually beginning to happen. It was spotted by a uh, user at the book is closed on Twitter who um, spotted, well, who tweets, do we really need to stuff OneDrive promos in the user session flyout? Anything for that sweet KPI? And uh, illustrates this with a screenshot of a little back up your files button in the uh, user session flyout menu. There's also promotions for completing Microsoft accounts as well. Uh, I'm, I'm in a very interesting place with Microsoft at the moment. I'm very close to being able to stop paying Microsoft or anything. I, uh, I don't, well, I know I have an office subscription actually. Yeah, I'm cancelling that shortly. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been on the fence for that for a while myself. I keep it actually just so I can update articles on makeusof.com. But I, even at this point, I think you can probably get most of what you need for free really these days, can't you? Absolutely. Um yeah. The case in point though with advertising in Windows 11, as you said Christian, they said at the very beginning that this is probably going to happen. I don't think Microsoft have actually... They're not, they've not ever said they weren't going to do this, have they? And no. the whole idea is that Windows 11 has to be paid for somewhere. <laughs> and pushing you towards buying things is the natural progression of that. It's, it's not a good thing, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I, I don't want to see it, but it is what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, it isn't... I suppose it's not hugely different. It's, I mean, it's subtle, and I would say it's more subtle than things like Candy Crush in Windows 10 and all those other uh, Gameloft... Uh, was it Gameloft? I think it was Gameloft. Uh, Pre-installs or b b b tiles that were then installed the game directly from the uh, Microsoft Store. I think that's more insidious than this, but it's n neither is pleasant. No, absolutely. At least it's... Yeah, at least as you said, you know, it's actually for a Microsoft service rather than one of the, the worst games in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I'm giving it undue credit there, wasn't I? Um, so, yeah, so that's happening. So keep, if you're using Windows 11, um, do keep an eye out for that. I mean, I, I know I've, I've, I haven't got the stats to hand at the moment. I know Windows 11 is really struggling to pull new users i used it the other day but i was using it on a raspberry pi for an article um that i was developing on make use of and uh, installing windows 10 or windows 11 on a raspberry pi actually works it's absolutely insane so is that like windows 11 or windows 10 on arm so is that that yes. works properly now yeah 
mad. Yeah, that sounds really good. I have to give yeah. that a try. Yeah, do so. Although, if you do, I would recommend this to anyone listening. Uh, use an external USB drive rather than the SD card. It'll be okay. faster. So, you may know, uh, dear listeners, especially if you're in the US, you may not know this, um, but the UK and the European Union are not the same thing any longer. And the European Union has the ability to make particular rulings over things, such as you might have heard about the Apple USB-C port requirements to replace the lightning port. Now, no idea what will happen with this in the UK, and probably Apple don't either, which may be why they're planning to bring forward their idea of a portless iPhone. Now, I do like this idea in a way, but at the same time, I really don't like it. Because I, th- I think having direct access to your device without having to mess around with wireless in, uh, networking, um, what have you, is kind of important. The right to repair movement has obviously grown in the past few years. And when it comes to phones and tablets, having an access port is kind of really important <laughs> for the whole repair side of things and the uh, managing the operating system effectively. Now, with, with uh, iPhones, it's a little bit different, but even so, pulling the USB-C port from an iPhone and relying on uh, wireless charging, this could be a trend that affects the uh, entire industry, not just with uh, Apple pushing forward with this. So I'm quite concerned about this, Gavin. Uh, I completely agree. The Removing it entirely seems like a backward step for consumers as a whole um, when we're only just managing to get companies to you know open up a bit and with regards to the right to repair there's been so many times where the only way you can fix a phone uh, is to plug it into an actual computer and force it to reboot or you know flash different software on it or, or what have you yeah um, and removing it entirely just does, it doesn't seem right <laughs> Um, and I guess the wider thing, as you said, is that all other phone companies will then follow suit. We saw it first with the removal of the uh, the three and a half mil uh, headphone jack, didn't we? And yep. then suddenly everyone was like, oh, that's a great idea. We can save a little bit of money and we can make our phones 0.1 of a millimeter slimmer, <laughs> which is perfect for consumers uh, and also we can get people to buy USB-C to three and a half mil jack converters you know which I'm sure Apple has made a, a killing on overall I think it's anti-consumer and that's the base of it isn't it Gavin wireless internet security is important I remember the first time I got a uh, wireless router and how long ago it was all it did was web and i was like amazed that it had any form of security and i thought the web was awesome and obviously it wasn't it was an absolute sham um <laughs> and uh, we, we then we moved we, we moved through it was a long time ago i didn't know any better we moved through wpa and wpa2 and now we've got wpa3 haven't we yeah absolutely so wpa3 is the latest version uh of what's known as Wi-Fi protected access. That's what WPA stands for. Uh, It was launched in 2018, but it's actually taken quite a while for it to reach at least a decent amount of routers. The the, the prior version, WPA2, is actually probably still uh, more in use around the world just because 
Wi-Fi routers aren't something people upgrade that often. Uh, unless you are, you know, really into tech, it's not something you really consider. And for the most part, people go with the, the router that their internet service provider sends to them. Yeah. And that just, you know, sits downstairs on your shelf, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, but if you can use wireless uh, well, WPA3, you absolutely should. It comes with some really useful upgrades, such as uh, protection against brute force attacks. That's where someone attempts to guess your, your password. It has better public network privacy. Uh, it has much better security for Internet of Things devices. So that'd be like your your smart thermostat and, and anything else you've got connected that uses smart technology. And the most important thing of all uh, with WPA3 is that it increases the overall level of encryption of your your Wi-Fi and your Wi-Fi password, uh, which is really important. Um, as Christian alluded to there, the original sort of thing that, uh, the original encryption that everybody used was WEP, and that was found to be uh, woefully insecure many, many years ago. Um, but since then, the preceding versions of WPA have also been found to be insecure. Um, and that may make you think that upgrading to WPA3 will cure all of the problems. However, <laughs> WPA3 is also a little bit insecure. Um, Does it need a cuddle? It needs a cuddle. Everything needs a cuddle, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, as with all these sorts of Wi-Fi encryption issues, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't use it. Uh, it means you should absolutely still keep it switched on because most of these attacks are highly complex. And as someone sitting in your house using your Wi-Fi, you're fairly unlikely to encounter one of these attacks you are far more likely to encounter your neighbour trying to steal your internet. And if you have uh, WPA2 or WPA3 enabled, they're going to have a much, much more difficult time trying to do that. Absolutely. And that, uh, I guess, brings us nicely to our next topic, which is related. Because you can almost guarantee that if you are using public Wi-Fi, cafe, airport, train station, all those types of places... They're not using the best available wireless security protocols. So WPA2, hopefully, but WPA3, absolutely very little chance unless they've just got a brand new flashy network installed. Which means that if you're using uh, these networks, you need to be aware of the following potential risks. Number one, man-in-the-middle attacks. Number two, fake Wi-Fi connections. That's also known, uh, it's a variation of the man in the middle attack, also known as an evil twin, whereby the, your, in, your, sec, your network access is intercepted by a fake access point that's claiming to be the real network. Um, there's packet sniffing, which might sound a bit rude, and it is actually where a hacker is able to acquire information from the wireless ether, analyse it, and perhaps uh, crack your password or gain access to some other uh, websites that you're accessing, that sort of thing, or if even a kind of a reverse man-in-the-middle sort of thing and, you know, pick up enough data to pretend to be actually you accessing the website. Um, there's side-jacking, which is uh, 
based on the same thing that I've just said. And the shoulder surfing, it's, it's something that's usually found at ATMs, uh, where someone looks over your shoulder to see your PIN number. But it can also be done in a public Wi-Fi scenario, uh, looking at passwords that you might be inputting, that sort of thing. So uh, anyone close by whilst using public Wi-Fi, maybe don't do any uh, important banking or credential-related things at all, I guess. Do you think people are more aware of the risk of public Wi-Fi these days? I do think there is a more general awareness. Um, but I don't think it stops people from connecting to public Wi-Fi and doing whatever they want. No. So there's, there's probably a little voice in the back of your head, maybe, that says, oh, well, this might not be a good idea. But I think when times must or... If you're in a location saying you haven't got uh, a 4G signal, but you can connect to the, the Wi-Fi in the building to get that bit of information you need, you, you're probably going to do it, aren't you? Yeah. You um, might I mean, not. So, uh, carry on. No, I was going to say, I suspect certain establishments, um, I can only say this in, in the UK, um, have or are currently still using uh, mobile phone signal blockers in order to force people to use their Wi-Fi. Oh, wow. They're like in uh, shopping centres. Yes, in, uh... yes. Shopping centres owned by one particular company whose name you probably know. I found myself in two of these establishments not being able to access mobile internet at all, but have an absolutely fine and dandy connection to their Wi-Fi. And, uh, I mean, the, be the best solution, I mean, if that happens, then, you know, this is, we, we're getting to sort of, we're veering towards minority reports with, um, they know, you know, you sign up to the Wi-Fi, so then basically they know where you are around the uh, shopping centre, so which is a good time to start using a VPN. And that brings us to our recommendations, which sometimes we talk about TV, so maybe Gavin has a TV recommendation. Um, in the contravention of time-honoured tradition, I'm actually going to volunteer to go first. Whoa. Are you, are you allowed to do that? Is that in the bylaws? I have no idea. Um, it's um, Basically, I've uh, been playing with something I've been looking forward to for a very long time, which is the c64 collection one on the evercade this is a cartridge of 14 commodore 64 games which is um quite exciting for me um i'm a big commodore 64 fan uh over the years <laughs> and my it was my first proper computer i had a um it's in a box nearby um i as is the C64, but prior to the C64, I was given like a TV console, um, and I can't remember the name of it. It's basically like, it has a knob on it that you select games with, it's like Pong games, and um, like a four-player version, and a single-player squash, you know, just Pong, you have, it just bounces around the screen at this point, you have a little uh, tracker, a trackball, no, not a trackball, a, a paddle, beg your pardon, a paddle, to control your paddle. Um, and then I got a Commodore 64 a few years later, which was uh, absolutely magnificent. Uh, although the initial games I got with it weren't so good. If only I'd had 14 awesome games like this. Alley Cat, Battle Valley, Gateway to Apshai, which in fairness was available at the time I got my Commodore 64. Impossible Mission, ditto. Uh, Iridis Alpha, Jumpman, Lee, which is a retitled version of the old Bruce Lee game. Marauder, the movie monster game, street sports baseball, Stormlord, 
Subterranea, Subber Games and Winter Games. I have been playing through these games and do you know what the best thing about this is? They have been so finely tuned that you wouldn't realise that you're not using a keyboard or a joystick with one button on them. The Evercade has been so perfectly um, adapted to playing these games, or these games have been so perfectly adapted to playing on the Evercade. It's almost, seemed, I mean, Impossible Mission, case in point. I first played Impossible Mission nearly 40 years ago, probably, well, probably call it 35 years ago, late 80s. I was absolutely terrible at it. I played it again a few months ago on uh, the C64 Mini, which is a small version of the Commodore 64, made by the same people that have licensed this cartridge. And I was terrible at it. Played it on the Evercade, and, I mean, I wouldn't say I completed it or got anywhere near it. I saw far more of Impossible Mission than I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, it's just everything seems so playable on it. I was so impressed with this cartridge. So uh, if you have an Evercade or an Evercade VS or you're looking forward to the Evercade EXP uh, coming along uh, later this year, then this is definitely a cartridge that you need to consider if you have any uh, love for the Commodore 64 8-bit computer platform. That's my recommendation. Gavin, what's yours? Um, well, before getting into the recommendation, I just want to say Alley Cat is one of the first games I think think i ever really remember playing oh wow um on a very old i believe it was an amstrad laptop that my dad brought home from a job at the time and was allowed to have at the house for work and it had games on it like alley cat and it also had one of my all-time favorites uh, which was nethack um which i didn't really understand at the time but <laughs> uh such a great game that i've st still yet to beat all these years on um, but yes, uh, my recommendation this week is actually something that I've been reviewing for Make Use Of, uh, and it's Ooh. the Nothing Ear Stick, which I have to say isn't the best name. <laughs> it's what's it called? Um, the Nothing Ear Stick? It's the Nothing Ear Stick. So the company name is Nothing. Uh, nothing are um, a... I mean, they're technically a British startup, but um, they're actually headed up by the former head of OnePlus, who make uh, smartphones, uh, yeah. Carpe. Um, and he started a new company called Nothing. And, you know, their idea is that they're bringing um, pairing technology back to the bare bones and uh, redesigning things and all this sort of stuff. All these buzzy, uh, flashy words. But the actual product itself, the ear stick, um, if you can't guess by the somewhat unassuming name, uh, it's a pair of earbuds. Um, no, it's, not <laughs> it's, not a clean, it's not a cleaning you, product then. Exactly, yeah. It's not, <laughs> you don't just stick it right in your ear, not the whole stick. Um, <laughs> you take the earbuds out first. <laughs> um, this no, is their without second... medical supervision. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um this is the second uh, iteration of earbuds uh, that they've done. And they're quite nice, actually. They're, the first set that they did were called the Ear One, and they were more of the traditional silicon-tipped earbuds that stick uh -huh. right in your ear. This version are more akin to AirPods that sort of, you know, they sit in, the, in your ear, but not directly in the ear canal, if you see what I mean. Right. Um... They're quite comfortable. Uh, I've enjoyed my time with them. The audio on them, I would say, is relatively good considering they don't make you know a tight seal with your ear. So you're always going to have some deficiencies with audio when that happens because 
you cannot help audio escaping around the gaps, you know. And obviously, again, everybody's ears are different. So when you have a silicone tipped uh, earbud, it sits perfectly in your ear and all of the sound goes straight to your eardrum and it sounds better. Um, nothing has tried to sort of counteract the loss of some audio quality uh, with something called uh the name of it is escaping me but it's basically like a, a base oh it's called base lock sorry i couldn't, couldn't remember the name of it uh and it attempts to measure your ear canal and then compensate for the base uh that's that's lost and it works to a degree but you right. can never quite replicate you know the seal and depth of quality with a silicone uh tipped earbud uh overall though Considering that these are, they retail for £99, uh, they're not available in the US yet, but they will be coming over there in the near future. Uh, they're actually a really solid set of earbuds. Uh, they last, I think, seven, seven hours worth of battery on the earbuds and up to 29 in the charging carry case, which is good. And uh, I'll give a little mention to the carry case itself as well, which is shaped like uh basically like a lipstick holder <laughs> okay um, uh, and it doesn't um it doesn't go up like a lipstick holder but you rotate the cylinder to reveal the earbuds and it's a really cool take actually on you know earbud case design because most of the time you know it's a it's a box that you flip open and that's all you get you know it, all of the big companies use roughly the same thing so nothing is actually gone well we could definitely make this a little bit different and uh, you sort of swivel it in your hand to reveal the earbuds and then you can take them out with the other hand and do it all in one sort of relatively fluid motion so that's the nothing ear stick they're available in the uk and europe and i think india and various other places and they are coming to the us soon so watch out for them wow okay excellent uh, you'll see the link to the review for that in the show notes and or, or to purchase it and along with everything else that we've discussed in this week's really useful podcast just uh, check the show notes uh, click the interesting bit and uh, you're away we will be back for a new show soon until then it's goodbye